Ephesians chapter number 2, excuse me, Ephesians chapter 3, Ephesians chapter 3, Ephesians chapter 3, we'll begin reading in verse number 1. Ephesians chapter 3, let's begin reading. In verse number 1, he says, For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which is given me to you, word, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in a few words, whereby when you read ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. Father, I do pray that you would just bless now as we open your word, uh, use it to, to speak to our hearts, Lord, and may we be attentive to it, receptive to what you'd have for us. And uh, Lord, we do pray if there is someone that may not know Christ as their Savior, Lord, you just speak to their hearts and just uh, help them to understand their need of Jesus Christ. And Lord, just bless. Um, Lord, we just thank you for the song that was sung. Lord, uh, our King and, and who he is, the King of kings and Lord of lords and a King of love and mercy and grace that was willing to give himself to die on the cross for our sins. And so, Father, we just thank you for what you've done for us. Uh, bless the service now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, Paul begins here in verse number 3, and notice how he begins chapter, he says, for this cause, for this cause, right? Now, if you're just, if you're just starting in chapter 3 and it says, for this cause, we really don't understand what he's talking about. What cause, right? For this cause. Well, what cause, Paul? Uh, that's one of the reasons why I love uh, expository preaching, because we just go through the whole, uh, the whole thing. We look at everything, right? And so we know uh, last week we finished kind of chapter 2, and he says really what this cause is back in verse number 21. He says, "...in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit." And so as we looked last week about the building of the church, right? And of course, the church is not a building. The church is the people, the people that have accepted Christ as their Savior, right? That is the, that is the church. But the church is growing. The church is being built, right? He, we saw that the foundation of the church is Jesus Christ. He's the chief cornerstone. And then the apostles and the prophets, they're the foundation. And then the church is being built on that. And we get to be made up of those, uh, the brick and stone and everything that's making up the building, the church, right? But it, we saw last week it's a growing building, right? It's growing. In other words, it's supposed to be being added to, right? Well, the, the bricks and the stones and the things that are there aren't, that's not it, right? There needs to be more added to it, right? As we think about the body of Christ, there, we're trying to reach more people with the gospel. Praise God. Last week, uh, another brick or stone or whatever you want, another one was added to the building. Praise God. Last week, we had a man that accepted Christ as a savior. He's added to the building, right? It's a growing building, and so Paul says, as he's just finished helping people, the, the church in Ephesus, understand that the, the church is a growing building made up of men and women, boys and girls, teenagers who have accepted Christ as their Savior. 
as this church is growing, then he says in chapter 3, verse number 1, for this cause. So now we understand what he's talking about. For this cause. What cause? Because the church. This growing building. For this cause. Because the church is a growing building. Paul says this in verse number chapter 3, verse number 1. For this cause, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles. This morning, what we're going to look at is, is really a phrase that Paul says here in verse number 1. The prisoner of Jesus Christ. This morning, we're going to look at a prisoner. A prisoner. Paul says, a prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles. So I want to ask you a question this morning. And I hope by the time we get to the end of the message, you'll have the right answer. Are you willing to be a prisoner? like, <laughs> No, don't want to be a prisoner. I understand that, right? But we're talking spiritually. Are you willing to be a prisoner of Jesus Christ? I'm not talking about a prisoner in jail in, in the, the, the county jail here or the prison or whatever. No, I'm talking about a prisoner of Jesus Christ. You say, why would I want to do that? Well, he says, for this cause. For this cause, I, Paul, a prisoner, the prisoner of Jesus Christ. So notice a couple of things that Paul says about being a prisoner. Notice of whom was Paul a prisoner? Paul was a prisoner of Jesus Christ. He says, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ. Now, understand, Paul is writing from prison. A literal prison. Paul is a prisoner in Rome. This is not just a spiritual thing that Paul is speaking of. He's also speaking of a physical thing. He is an actual prisoner in Rome as he's writing this letter to the Ephesians. But notice that Paul does not see himself as a Roman prisoner. He doesn't say, I, Paul, a prisoner of Rome. He doesn't say, I, Paul, a prisoner of Caesar. No, no. He says, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Paul saw himself as a prisoner of Jesus Christ. So again, I want to ask you this morning, how do you see yourself? How do you see yourself? I wonder how different our lives would be if we would see ourselves as prisoners of Jesus Christ. You see, a prisoner has no rights. A prisoner doesn't decide if he's, you know, how, how many of you have been uh, you driving down the road and you'll see, uh, uh, you know, see maybe a sign on the road in orange letters that says, you know, um, prisoners picking up trash or whatever it is, right? And you go by and you see the guys on the side of the road. Do you think they woke up that morning and said, hey, uh, warden, could, could we go out and pick up trash today? I don't think so. You know what happened? Uh, they were told, you're going to go pick up trash today. It wasn't, it wasn't an option, right? They, they, didn't, they don't have a right to say, oh, I, I think I don't, I, you know, I don't, I don't think I want to do that today. It's a little hot out. You know, the, the sun, you know, I've got, I've got sensitive skin, so I probably better not do that today, warden. Thanks for the offer, though. No. They're told, 
what they're to do. He doesn't decide what he's going to do. He is simply told what to do. And I believe this is why Paul is able to say that if it's for the growing building of the church, then I'm okay being a prisoner. For this cause, he says, as we think about the church growing and the church being added to it and people coming to know Christ as their Savior, Paul says, for this cause, because there really is a cause for people to come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior, Paul says, and I'm okay with being a prisoner. Not just a prisoner of Jesus Christ, but he says, I'm okay being a real prisoner. I'm okay being a prisoner of Rome. And this is why he's able to write to the, the Philippians. And in, in the book of Philippians chapter uh, 4, verse number 4, Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice, right? And again, sometimes we get this idea that, man, the apostles and, and the prophets and all these guys, man, they just had it easy. You know, I mean, God just told them what to do and they did it. Man, what an easy life. Just so easy. You know, they didn't have to go through what I go through. Now, when Paul says rejoice in the Lord, he's in a Roman prison. How many of you been? No, no, I'm not going to ask you a question. I'm afraid of how many hands might go up, right? <laughs> no, I mean, think about it. He's in, a, he's in a Roman prison, and he's able to say rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Why? Because he wasn't there because of himself. He was there as a prisoner of Jesus Christ. And that's why he's able to say, hey, look, it doesn't matter what circumstance I'm in. Even if I'm in a Roman prison, I can rejoice. Why? Because there is a cause. There's a reason why I'm here. It's for Jesus Christ. It's for the church to grow. It's for people to come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. It's interesting in Philippians chapter 1 and verse number 12, Paul says, But I, I would, ye should understand, brethren, that the things which have happened unto me, talking about being put in prison, have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. Think about this. Paul says, man, he says, I want you to understand the reason why I'm in jail is so that the gospel can go forward. Now we think about that, we like, well, that's just opposite, Right? Paul, you shouldn't be in jail. Man, you need to be out preaching. You, need to be, you, you don't need to be in jail. You need to be out furthering the gospel free. But Paul says, hey, I want you to understand the things that have happened to me, I'm sitting here in a jail right now writing this letter to you, and it's for the furtherance of the gospel. It's to help the gospel to, to continue to go out around the world. And this is what he says at the end of the book of Philippians. He says, all the saints salute you. And this is what he says chiefly they that are of Caesar's household. <laughs> I don't know if you know who Caesar is, but he's not the little pizza guy up here on the corner. <laughs> We're talking about Caesar, the, 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 the ruler of the, the, the world at this time, the Roman world, Caesar. How did the gospel get into Caesar's household? I can tell you this, it wasn't by Paul out preaching. You know how the gospel got into Caesar's household? By Paul being in prison. 
Paul was in prison. And as people would come, and, and you think about the Praetorian guards that were guarding Paul, and, and every day as people would come to see Paul, and Paul would share Christ and share the gospel and things, and these Praetorian guards who were listening all the time, hey, we don't know how many got saved. We don't know how many people ter- put their faith in Christ because Paul was in jail, but we know many of them did. And he said, as that began to move into Caesar's household, look, you can't just get in to see Caesar. You just can't get into Caesar's household. But as Paul began to preach the gospel and people began to hear and they began to believe, it started creeping into Caesar's own household. And he says, Paul, as he's writing to the church in Philippi, he says, hey, I just want you to know, hey, the the believers here in Rome are sending greeting to you, especially they of Caesar's household. Why? There was a cause. The cause, the furtherance of the gospel. That the church, the building of Jesus Christ, the body of Christ would be able to grow. So again, let me ask you, whose prisoner are you? I'm not talking physical now. But spiritually, whose prisoner are you? Because just because you're a Christian doesn't make you a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Just because you're saved and know Christ as your Savior does not make you a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Are you a prisoner of your job? Because again, remember, when Paul is saying a prisoner of Jesus Christ, you know what Paul is saying? I have no rights. Jesus Christ is the one who determines what I'm supposed to do. I have given my life to Jesus Christ, therefore he decides what is best for me, not myself. So who, whose prisoner are you? Are you a prisoner of your job? In other words, your job is what dictates everything in your life. Everything in your life revolves around your job. Friend, if that's true, you're a prisoner of your job. You're not a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Your job controls you. Are you a prisoner of your family? In other words, your family is what dictates everything in your life. Everything else in your life revolves around your family. Are you a prisoner of money? Money dictates everything in your life. Everything else revolves around money. Maybe you're a prisoner of comfort. Comfort dictates everything in your life. Everything in your life revolves around being comfortable. You see, you are a prisoner. The question is, is whose? Whose prisoner are you? Someone or something is controlling you. There is something in your life that your life revolves around. Who is it or what is it? As a Christian, I can tell you who it ought to be. It ought to be Jesus Christ. That's who it ought to be. But not every Christian is a prisoner of Jesus Christ. We ought to be And we ought to desire to be a prisoner of Jesus Christ. And this is where Jesus Christ is the most important thing in your life. He dictates everything in your life. Everything else in your life revolves around him. 
That means your job revolves around not your job, but it revolves around Jesus Christ. Your family revolves around Jesus Christ. Your, 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 uh, your money revolves around Jesus Christ. Your comfort revolves around Jesus Christ. Again, there's nothing wrong with a job and family and comfort and money. and uh, There's nothing wrong with those things. But if those things are controlling us, then that's who we are a prisoner to. Paul said, I don't want to be a prisoner to those things. And here's why. What's the cause? What's the cause? What's the cause of my job? You know what's funny is so many people are prisoners to their job and they hate it. They hate their jobs, but they're prisoners to it. Family? Are you a prisoner to your family? Your family, that's, that's what everything revolves around? Look, I'm not, thank God for family. But I shouldn't be a prisoner to family. Hey, we, well, I understand we need money. We have to have money to buy food and pay rent and, and all these different things, and, and, and things aren't cheap, I understand. But are, is that who we're a prisoner to? Well, I, you know, no, but I'm just, you know, I'm just comfortable. Maybe that's who we become a prisoner to, just comfort. I'm just not going to step out. You know, as long as everything's comfortable, you really think Paul was comfortable in prison? You really think when he was in in jail in Philippi and they put him in stocks after they had beaten him, you think he was like, man, this is the most comfortable place I've ever been in. I don't know about you, but I've got me a sleep number stock. (laughs) Paul could have patented that one, right? Get your sleep number stock, right? I don't think he was comfortable. But he said, I'm still willing to be a prisoner for Jesus Christ. Who are we a prisoner of? You say, Pastor, you don't think that I you don't think I love the Lord? I mean, I'm here in church, aren't I? No, I, I hope you love the Lord. And I hope that's that's why you're here. But are you his prisoner? We don't like the word prisoner. We don't like it. We don't need, we don't just, we just the connotation of it. We don't like that prisoner. We get this idea of somebody behind bars, right? No freedom stuck behind bars have to do what everybody else says. We don't, we don't like that word prisoner means we aren't in control anymore. And unfortunately, too many Christians are still trying to be in control And what they really need is to see themselves as the prisoner of Jesus Christ. Why? Because there's a cause. For this cause, Paul says, I, the prisoner of Jesus Christ. He said, look, it doesn't matter if I'm in a prison in Philippi or if I'm in a prison in Rome. By the way, Paul saw a lot of prisons. But he said, for this cause, for this reason, if this is what it takes for the gospel to go forward, if this is what it takes for other people to know about Jesus Christ, that's what I'm willing to do. I'm willing to do that because I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. In Luke chapter 14, turn with me over to Luke chapter 14 real quick. Because in Luke chapter 14, there's a great verse that deals with this very thing. In Luke chapter 14, notice what he says in verse number 25. Excuse me, verse number 26. In Luke chapter 14, verse number 26. He says, If any man come to me 
And hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also. He cannot be my disciple. Right? This is a great passage. He says, look, Jesus says, if you're going to be my disciple, if you're going to come after me and follow me, be my disciple, you've got to be willing to hate your father and your mother and your wife and your children and your brothers and your sisters and your own life. In other words, what he's saying is you have to be willing to put me first. And not saying that we have to literally hate them, but our love for Christ ought to be more than our love for them. Family. Even, he says, and your own life also. Our love for Christ ought to be greater than our love for self and our own desires and our own ambitions and our own dreams. Our, our love for Christ ought to be greater than these things. And we say, well, yeah, you know, I, I get that. I understand that. But can I tell you, the passage doesn't end there. And I think so many times we, we use this verse, but we really ought to look at the whole thing that Jesus says. Because watch what he says in verse number 27. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And now he gives this illustration of what it means to be a true follower of Jesus Christ. For which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down first and counteth the cost whether he have sufficient to finish it? Lest happily, after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going to make war against another king sitteth not down first and consulteth whether he be able with 10,000 to meet him that cometh with him with 20,000? Or else, while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an ambassage and desireth conditions of peace. So think about what he's saying. He says, look, what would you think of a guy that starts to build a house or to build a a building or something, but he didn't sit down and actually count the cost of what it's going to take? And look, especially in our day today, when prices are just skyrocketing, you better figure out what it's going to cost, right? I mean, you, you better know what the, 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 the two-by-fours are going to cost. You better know what the shingles are going to cost. You better know what the drywall is going to cost. I mean, you've got to figure it all out, and then you figure out, okay, do I have enough to be able to build this? If not, well, then I need to wait, and I need to save some more. And then when I'm able to, when I have enough, then I can build it. Because what does he say? Lest as you're building and you didn't count the cost at first, you build and you get halfway up and you can't finish because you ran out, you didn't count the cost, and now everybody that drives by is thinking, man, what an idiot. Look at that. That that house has been halfway built for like 20 years. You know, we saw it go up and then it like stopped. What happened? Well, the guy didn't, you know, he didn't really, he didn't, estimate well and he didn't know what it was really going to cost and he didn't have enough money so now it's just sitting there like that was kind of dumb or he says or what king is going to go to war and he says hey i've got i've got ten thousand people in my army but this this other king has twenty thousand i've got to figure out is my ten thousand going to be able to defeat this twenty thousand so i've got to come up with some type of battle strategy but instead of coming up with some type of battle strategy like we're just going to go to war let's go people ten thousand guys get ready we're going to war who are you fighting this guy over here how many has he got twenty thousand but we'll do it and then all of a sudden, as you start going, you're like, oh, man, this isn't really going to go as well as I thought. They got twice as many, and things aren't going to go well. And what does he say? On your way to the battle, what do you do? You send somebody out and say, peace, we, we surrender. We, we surrender. We, we just can't do this anymore. What kind of leader do you think that is? Now watch. 
Watch what he says. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. He just gave two illustrations of people that didn't count the cost. And he says, so likewise. Man, I, I, I want to serve Jesus. Well, it's going gonna, it's gonna to cost some things. Well, what do you mean it's going to cost some things? Well, hey, you know, it, it might cost you some friends, and it might cost you your job, and it might cost you some money, and it might cost you some promotions, because you're going to do things the way that God says to Hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I want to do that. He says, it's better for you to figure that out before you be like, hey, I want to serve Jesus. And you jump in and you start doing it. And you're like, what? I didn't know this was going to, I didn't know there was going to be problems. I didn't know there was going to be trials. I didn't know Jesus was going to say, I actually have to talk to somebody and tell them about Jesus. I didn't know this was going to, I mean, faithful to church. What are you talking about? Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. You think, man, you're asking a lot. I mean, read my Bible every day. Oh, I did. man, I thought, man, I thought just becoming a Christian would mean I'm going to heaven. And there are many Christians who are looking foolish because they did not count the cost. There are many Christians that are saying, oh, I'm a Christian, and the world looks at you and says, it doesn't look like it. Why? Because we got halfway in and we're like, whoa, this is a little bit harder than what I thought. I surrender. I'm out of here, man. And the Lord says, wait a minute, I thought you were a Christian. Well, I am, but on my terms. Now, wait a minute. If you're a prisoner of Jesus Christ, you have no terms. And that's why we don't want to be a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Because it becomes his terms. It becomes what he desires for us, right? And this is why he says, right? You cannot be my disciple if you're not willing to forsake all, if you're not willing to put him first and really understand, hey, it may cost me something. It may cost me family members. It may cost me a job. It may cost me a promotion. It may cost me something. But hey, I just want you to know, Lord, there is a cause. And if this is what it takes to get the gospel out, if this is what it takes for other people to know about Jesus Christ, and Lord, I just want you to know I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. He's a prisoner. Have you ever heard of Auschwitz? Ever heard of Auschwitz? Auschwitz was a very famous prison camp during the uh, World War II. It is said of the six million Jews who were murdered during World War II that one of every six was murdered in Auschwitz. Over a million Jews murdered in Auschwitz. Taken from their homes, from their families, put into these concentration camps. But prisoner 4859 was different. You guys put that picture up? This is prisoner 4859 of Auschwitz. 
concentration camp where over a million Jews were murdered, as well as many, many other people as well, anyone that was against the Nazis. But prisoner 4859 was different because prisoner 4859 was actually there on purpose. He went there on purpose. Prisoner 4859, his name is, and I'll probably mispronounce this because it's Polish, but his name is Witold Pilecki. He was part of the Polish resistance and had actually been a decorated war veteran in the Polish-Soviet War in 1919 to 1921. But in 1940, at 39 years of age, with a wife and two children, he was sent on a suicide mission. He was sent to Auschwitz. And he was willing to become a prisoner at Auschwitz. Why? Because there was a cause. There was a cause. He had seen his own people being taken prisoner. He had seen his own people going off to these concentration camps, never to be seen again. And so he was sent to Auschwitz to report on what was happening there and then also to try and help those within to encourage them and even some to even try to escape. When prisoners entered Auschwitz, they were told that they would only live about six weeks. Prisoner 4859 spent two and a half years in Auschwitz. I cannot even begin to describe the things that they would do to prisoners in Auschwitz. Some of you are aware of some of these things. Why would a man that has a wife and two children who had not been arrested because of being a Jew, had not been arrested and and taken off into a concert, why would he allow himself to be sent to one of the darkest places on earth at this time, knowing that he might never return Because there was a cause. There was a cause. He was willing to be a prisoner, not for himself, but for others. He was willing to be a prisoner to help others. You understand what Paul is saying? Paul prisoner of Jesus Christ. Lord, I'm willing to be your prisoner for this cause. There is a cause, friend. We we as Christians in America, and we get so comfortable, we get so just in our in our lives, on our jobs, with our families, and in everything that's going on, we get so focused on all of those things that we forget we are at war. 
there are people that are dying and going to hell all around us. And we don't have a cause? This man was not a, he was not a Christian. He was not a saved man. But yet he saw the need and he was willing to allow himself to be sent to be a prisoner in a place where he might never return. Are you willing to be a prisoner of Jesus Christ? You see, we don't want to sacrifice. We don't want to give up our rights. Well, my family, he had a family. He never knew if he was going to see his family. His wife and his two children never knew if they were going to see him again when he left. There was a cause. Well, my job or my career or, or, or you know, my retirement, I, this is what I'm looking forward to. Look, I'm not saying it's wrong to have a job and a career and have retirement, but what is our cause? It ought to be to further the gospel of Jesus Christ. It, we ought to be willing to say, Lord, I want to be a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Lord, it, it doesn't matter what it is in my life. Lord, if you want me to surrender it, my wife, my children, my, my brothers, my, my, my sister, my mom, my dad, my career, my job. Lord, it's, it's all yours. You tell me what you want me to do. Because I am a prisoner of Jesus Christ. What do you want? You see, he was a prisoner of Christ. Paul was sitting in a Roman prison, yet he realizes that this prison is the very place that God wants him to be for this time. Because he understands that he is a prisoner, not of Rome. He's not a prisoner of the Jews. He's not a prisoner of circumstances. He's not a prisoner of Caesar. He is a prisoner of Jesus Christ. And so it really doesn't matter where he is, whether he is in prison or out of prison. He just continues serving his master. He just keeps moving forward for Christ. Because he wants the church, the body of Jesus Christ, to continue growing. He was a prisoner of Jesus Christ. But notice who he was a prisoner for. Notice what he says. For this cause, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles... He's a prisoner of, Je- of Jesus Christ, but notice there is a cause, there is a reason. He says, I'm a prisoner for you Gentiles. Why is Paul in prison? Has Paul broken any law? There's no law that Paul has broken. So why is he in prison? What is the reason that Paul is sitting in this Roman prison? You know what the reason is? He was preaching the gospel. He hadn't broken any law. In fact, there was no law that said not to preach the gospel. So why is he in prison for preaching the gospel? Because the gospel message took took away from from the Judaism and from the Jewish laws and says, hey, it's not about the laws. It's not about religion. It's about putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And the Jews didn't like that. So the Jews accused him of false things. And so that's why he was in prison. For preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Paul says, hey, I want you to know, I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ, but notice who I'm a prisoner for. I'm a prisoner for you. I am here in prison for you. For, for I'm here because of Christ, but for you, the Gentiles. What Paul is about to explain 
in these next few verses is what got him thrown in prison. It's what the Jews hated about Paul. But Paul was not going to be swayed by imprisonment in preaching the gospel. He says, If ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which is given me to you word, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in few words, whereby when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. Now, next week, we're going to really get into really kind of verses three down to verse number five about this dispensation and what this dispensation is, because there there are different dispensations. Right. And we'll get into that next week. But I want you to notice this is what was the, the this is what was the cause of Paul's imprisonment. The Jews were furious that Paul was teaching that saved Gentiles. Gentiles who had put their faith in Jesus Christ, who were not Jews, they were Gentiles were made full members of the family of God. Can I tell you something? Aren't you glad that when God looks down, he doesn't say, well, I think you can be a part of my family, but I don't really like you, so you're not going to be a part of my family. And I, you're, you're kind of okay, so I'll put you into my family, but man, you're just, you're just a wacko, and so you're not going to be part of my family. Aren't you glad that God says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved? Aren't you glad that God says, hey, anybody that puts their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you get to be made a full member of God's family. That's what they were mad about. That's what the Jews were upset about, is that Paul was preaching that Gentiles were made full members of the family of God and of the fellowship of the saints. This is what he says, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. And here's what's really sad. Can I tell you, this is is sad. Even in the early church, Jewish believers, many of them thought that Gentiles had to become Jews in order to be Christians, in order to be saved. And if they didn't become a a Jew, then they were looked down on as a second-class citizen. If you didn't become a Jew, but yet you believed in Jesus, well, you just weren't as good as the Jews who did believe in Jesus. They were looked down upon, even in the early church, for someone to say that a Gentile could be equal with a Jew. To the Jews, that was like heresy. That, that was almost as bad as Jesus saying that he was God. It was, so, it was so blasphemous, it was so heretical to say that a Gentile could be equal with a Jew. How dare you say that, Paul? We are God's chosen people. And Paul said, you still need to be saved. It doesn't matter if you're God's chosen people or not. You still need to be saved. And salvation comes by faith in Jesus Christ. The very one that the Jews rejected. He said that salvation comes by him and him alone. And again, this is why the Jews had such hatred for Paul. Yet the very thing that gave reason for the Jews to want to kill him is the very thing that gave Paul purpose 
for living. He said, I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ, yes. And wherever Jesus tells me to go, I go. Whatever he tells me to do, I do. Whatever he tells me to say, I say. I'm just, I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. He's in control. I just go and do what he tells me to do. And guess what he's told me to do? He's told me that I get to come to the Gentiles. And I get to preach the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. I get to preach it to the Gentiles so that they can put their faith in Jesus Christ. And he said, hey, even though it caused me to be put in jail, I'm in prison. I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't change it. Why? Because this is how the gospel was able to get to the Gentiles. Paul said, hey, I I don't care if they put me in jail. I don't care if they put me in stocks. I don't care if they beat me, whatever. Hey, Jesus Christ is in control. He's the one leading my life. I'm a prisoner of Christ. I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ for you. Let me ask you a question. Paul is a prisoner of Jesus Christ for the Gentiles. So then where is Paul in all this? Where's Paul? Because if it was us, we'd be like, I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ for me. I I want to decide what I get to do, and I want to decide where I want to go, and I want to decide what I want to say. No, that's that's not what being a prisoner of Jesus Christ is. You see, Paul understood what it meant to count the cost. Paul understood that to follow Jesus Christ, it may cost something. But Paul had already counted that cost. Paul had already said, you know what? I'm dead. It's not about me. It's about him. And because of him, I get to go to you. And I get to tell Gentiles about Jesus Christ. And yeah, they put me in jail for it. But you know what? It's okay. Why? Because it's helping the church to grow. The building is being added to. And praise God, people are being saved. And now there's going to be, there's a church in Ephesus. And there's a church in Philippi. And there's a church in Corinth. And there's a church in Smyrna. And there's a church, all these different. Why? Because Paul was a prisoner of Jesus Christ. I wonder again, whose prisoner are you? Are you a prisoner of Jesus Christ? Because look at what he says in verse number two. The dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you word. You understand what he's saying? This grace of God that we have received This grace that Paul says, I receive the grace of God in salvation. The grace of God that says, hey, because of my faith in Jesus Christ, I don't have to spend eternity in the lake of fire. Because of the grace of God in putting my faith in Jesus Christ, I get to spend eternity with Jesus Christ. That grace that I have received. You know what Jesus expects me to do? Share it with others. To share that grace with others. So that they can experience that grace. This is what he says. The dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you. Paul says, I couldn't just keep it for myself. I had to give it out. Paul said he was given this great gift, this stewardship of God's grace to pass along to everybody that he could. So that they could experience that grace as well. 
you are a prisoner of something or someone. The question is, what? There is a cause. And that's why Paul is saying, I'm willing to be a prisoner of Jesus Christ. And because I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ, not only am I a prisoner of Christ, but I'm a prisoner for you. I'm a prisoner for you. Whose prisoner are you? Is it your job? Is it your family? Is it your career, finances, comfort? What are, what are you a prisoner of? Because that is what is controlling your life. And then you have to ask yourself, what, is the, what are you a prisoner of that for? I'm a prisoner of my job so that I can retire. Well, guess what? That's not going to last. I'm a prisoner of my family so that you know, we can have great times. Well, guess what? That's not going to last. Can I tell you something that will last? When you take the grace that you have been given and you start sharing that with others and they start coming to know Jesus Christ as their Savior, can I tell you something? That lasts for all of eternity. Who are you a prisoner of? Paul said, I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Prisoner 5489 was willing to go to Auschwitz, was willing to be a prisoner there, not for himself, but for others. And how sad that Christians are not willing to be a prisoner of Jesus Christ for others so that they can know so that that building, the church, the body of Jesus Christ can keep growing. I wonder if their heads bowed and their eyes closed this morning. No one looking about. I've asked it many times already. Let me ask it again. Whose prisoner are you? You are a prisoner to someone. Could even just be yourself. You're in control. Nobody else is going to tell me what to do. Nobody's going to tell me where to go. I'll do what I want to do, when I want to do it, how I want to do it. You're a prisoner of yourself then. But if you're a Christian, God's desire is for you to be a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Let him take control of your life. Let him lead you. Let him put you where you need to be. It may not be the the most comfortable place, but if it's where he wants you to be, there's a purpose for it. Whose prisoner are you? Maybe you're here this morning and you say, Pastor Andrew, I'm, I'm not even sure if I'm saved. If I died, I, I, don't, I don't know where I would go. I, I, I really don't, I'll be honest. I, I mean, I hope I would go to heaven. I hope I'd go to be with Jesus, but I'm, I'm honestly not sure where I would go. Friend, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out or anything.
but I would like to pray for you this morning. And if that's you this morning, if you say, Pastor, that's me, I'm not sure. I'm not sure where I'd go. But I would like to know how I could have my sins forgiven. I'd like to know how I could have that personal relationship with Jesus Christ as my Savior. Would you just slip your hand up? Just slip it up right now. Put it right back down. Nobody's going to come to you. I'm not going to call you out. Just slip it up, put it right back down. Pastor, pray for me. Anyone this morning? Pastor, pray for me. I'm not sure. I'm not sure where I would go. Anyone? And Christian, if you know Christ is your Savior, are you willing to count the cost and be like Paul and say, I'm going to be a prisoner of Jesus Christ? Not for self, but for the gospel's sake. So that others can know about Jesus Christ. No matter what it takes, Lord, you're in control. Wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do, whatever you want me to say, Lord, you're in control. I'm your prisoner. You're in charge. Father, I pray you'd work in our hearts this morning. Lord, help us to be willing to be like Paul and be a prisoner of Jesus Christ. To allow him to be in control in every aspect of our lives. For there is a cause. The gospel. There are those that still need to hear about the grace of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you would help us. Lord, not to live for self. Lord, to look this morning and say, who am I a prisoner of? Lord, if it's not you, may we come this morning and say, God, forgive me for not being a prisoner of Jesus Christ. And Lord, here I am. I want to be a prisoner of Jesus Christ. I want you to be in control of my life and all that entails. No holding back. It's all yours, Lord. It's all yours. I wonder if their heads bowed and our eyes closed. We'll just stand quietly this morning. The piano is just going to play something.